I'm Taffer. And I'm Caddy. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! yeah. We'd like to take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own, and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today, and every day, to reflect on your relationship with the land you live on and the Indigenous communities of that area. Before we get started uh, with our episode and oh boy do we have an episode for you uh today um just a quick housekeeping note as you may have seen on our social media already the upford network which has been our home since the very beginning has officially merged with the pod cavern which is another um podcast network run by our friend Tung La. We've worked with Tung over the years. We've done a lot of cross promotion. We've been on each other's shows and after a while uh, just kind of realized that we were kind of doing the same thing. That our that our networks really lined up and we were working so much already together that we decided why not make it official. So as you'll see we are now officially a proud member of the Pod Cavern. Um, Tom Zalatni, our producer is joining the Pod Cavern as associate producer, I will be continuing doing the communication stuff that I've been doing for the Upford Network as a member of the Pod Cavern. So it really is a true merge, and uh, we're just so excited for the possibilities that being on a bigger network with all those cool people uh, is going to have to offer. So nothing's changing here. Same show, same hosts. We're just on a new network uh, that is a lot like the old network, and we're very excited about it. Um, all of our back episodes, of course, are still available. Uh, nothing, none of that has changed. And yeah, so that's why it's going to be different in the outro. Also, if you think about it, considering the podcasts on both networks that are now one, if ever there was like an improv battle, Hot Cavern would win. Ooh. A, a, like an improv battle of the podcast networks. Think of it. <sighs> Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a good thing we're on their network now because we've got you and you're a strong contender. But apart from that, we've basically got Tom who kind of stopped doing improv four years ago. And me who took level one. It was when I was pregnant with Toby. Yeah. Okay, never mind. (laughs) I take it back. Time has flown. I think Vinny and Kate would probably take us to school. But I believe in you, Caddy. I believe in you. Thank you. Thank you. I have my moments. I have my moments. So, Caddy, speaking of your improv excellence, um, do you want to tell the people what we're talking about today? Yes. (laughs) Um, Dear folks, we jumped into another novel turned TV series um, and we read The Summer I Turned Pretty, the first of the trilogy uh, by Jenny Han. And uh, then we both watched the TV show um, and have had many a textual conversation about what that is just basically exclamation marks and reactions. 
the book is pretty good. I mean, it's the story of Belly, a teenage uh, 15-year-old teen who goes to uh, uh a fictitious place called Cousins, um, which is a beach town where her mom's best friend lives with her two sons. Well, they summer there because, of course, this they is the there. world of rich white people. Um, so they summer there. And uh, Belly, I don't know why they insist on calling her Belly because, like, meh. But anyways, um, so Belly has a brother, Stephen, who's, you know, in the book, a relatively minor character. Um, it'll be different when when we talk about the show mm-hmm. and uh so her mom's best friend Susanna has two sons Jeremiah and uh Conrad talk about the Anyways. world of white people <laughs> yep um and Belly has been in love with Conrad uh since the age of 10 uh and this is a true to form teen romance novel that came out in the year 2009 and it is important to specify that it came out in the year of our Lord Beyonce, 2009, um, because it hasn't necessarily, uh, the novel hasn't necessarily <laughs> aged super duper well, mm-hmm. right? We love Jenny Han yeah. here. We like her. She's, she's a good writer. She's a good, solid like writer of romance, uh, but whew, I felt old reading this. Yes. So, like, I think, as you said, it's very important to establish that this book was released in 2009. The Twilight books were released between 2005 and 2008. The Twilight movies were released between 2008 and 2011. Uh, In the, the second Twilight movie, the one featuring the intense intense love triangle between Bella, Edward, and um, Jacob happened in November of 2009. So this was like what was happening in young adult culture. Twilight was the thing. And I think that like Jenny Han is a wonderful author and you know we loved to all the boys I loved before. Um, it's a it's excellent. Jenny Han can do better than The Summer I Do di- Turned Pretty. The Summer I Do Pretty. Um, and Jenny Han has done better than The Summer I Turned Pretty. And I think that says a lot more about the publishing culture of young adult fiction in 2009 than it does about Jenny Han's abilities. Young adult lit took a huge shift around 2012. Um, kind of like once the Twilight craze died down a little bit and we got into Hunger Games because Hunger Games came out in 2012 and Hunger Games really changed the tide of YA fiction uh, I think for the better in many many ways Um, and then we had another significant shift around 2018 so we're kind of looking back two generations of YA lit reading this book and it's really interesting reading that and then watching the show which was made which was released this year but which is so referential in so many ways of 2009. I mean, I think that the 2009 and the Twilight references in the show, I think they're done on purpose. We can discuss whether or not they're done successfully. (laughs) That is very well done. I will say... I struggled with the TV show 
a lot, a lot. And uh, there are some moments in the show that I struggled with uh, that are the same as the book. Um, Belly, not my favorite character ever. Um, a little low on the list. Very self-involved. Mm -hmm. Very much wearing the tinted glasses of like, I want to be like a fuck girl and just like have everyone love me because that's what life is about. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to high five this character in the face <laughs> with a chair hard. Um, I find this character to be incredibly annoying. And I will say, um, Lola Town, who plays uh, Belly uh, in the TV show, did a great job because I felt the same way. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that it's also okay because we're looking at a 15-year-old character in 2009. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't remember 2009. Um because of horrible life choices and that's okay but I did not want anything to do with this character I did not want anything to do with this universe of whiteness mm -hmm. um, because this is like it's very white it's very 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 like like northeastern United States yeah. like preppy white people mm -hmm. who wear loafers and put pennies in them I guess <laughs> and like I don't know people who love to eat lobster and like I love lobster big fan but um, not in that over the top kind of bougie way I mean listen um, like I am from Massachusetts and this is too much for me <laughs> Okay, thank you. Like, like, I have summered on Montauk, and this is too much for me. Okay, well, that says a lot. And I mean, that I'm says... not that kind of Massachusetts person, as I discovered when I started McGill in 2009, and everybody else from Massachusetts was culturally quite different from me. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's, oh my god, the with the TV show, especially. Because in the book, she, like, makes a point of saying, like, the house is big, but it's, like, worn, and things in it are old, and it's, like, a cottage. And for some reason in the TV show, they, which I'm guessing is optics, they decided to make it a magazine house. Um, and it's their summer home. And I know they're talking about wealth, but... I couldn't get away f with the TV show. The thing that I could not escape was that it felt so produced. It felt like such a commodity. Like, one thing I made a note of is I said, like, with this show, all the seams are showing. You can see all the work. You can see every corporate sponsorship. You Like, the soundtrack is all music that's trending on TikTok. Like, and it's just, like, there's it felt so glossy it felt like a catalog I felt like catalog it felt like a catalog I felt like I was watching an L.L. Bean catalog happen and like for me that was such a big difference from shows like the babysitters club like where it feels cozy and homey and lived in and like I don't know if this was just a bad choice by a director 
Um, but the entire thing felt so contrived. Just like the beach house being this fucking mansion and everybody having the outfits. And like, I love costuming. I love costuming. But this felt like watching, like this show felt like TikTok. I spend a lot of time on TikTok. The costuming felt like girls trying things. They did a fucking put a finger down challenge. Like, I don't know if teens actually do that together, but that just hurt. And then like they have like teenage dirtbag coming on which is like literally trending on TikTok at this moment. Yeah. It was just a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot. Everybody has yeah. abs. Everybody's like super tan. And again, like that comes up in the book. But it was I just found it exhausting. Um Yes. And yeah. I think that the 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 major takeaway about the show, which I will say, I don't know that I was comfortable going through like eight 45 minute episodes and by the end i kind of wanted to bleach my eyes um i agree with you everything feels very contrived in it um but more than anything i had a very clear realization (laughs) which is that um teenaged white boys (laughs) are just not it like in any way shape or form um they i just i was uninterested by everything that involved young people and young men in particular while watching this and it was painful like they 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 attempted like they made jeremiah buy in the show which was interesting i mean it feels like we were trying to gain some representation, but I don't think that Jenny Han is queer. And I do wish that a queer person or people had sat in um, on some of these writing sessions because it just feels like pushed. This idea of like Jeremiah just, he loves making out with people. Doesn't matter, girls or boys, because he just loves like being cuddly and making out. Okay, but when it's repeated ad nauseum and mm-hmm. that is the essence of queerness, it tells me that this is how straight people see us. And there's like, and I don't like it. The, I have like, like, so first of all, like referring to Jeremiah as a golden retriever, again, that's a TikTok reference. That That's so fucking online. And like, it's true, but it's also like, okay, come on. But the other thing is they did this not only with Jeremiah, but with another character as well, where they just casually make them bisexual in a way that does nothing to further the plot. And it does not feel like inclusivity. It feels like they're going oh, you're tired of seeing cishet men on screen? Well, guess what? He's bi. Try to dislike him now, bitch. (laughs) And it's just like... Uh, The anger is real. (laughs) Just like, listen, I I love a bisexual dude as much as the next person. But like, oh, God. So here's the thing. Like, we read YA romances. We watch this content voluntarily. Um, I do this on purpose. And usually, like we talked about with Along for the Ride last 
last episode. Like, I enjoy young adult romance because it connects in some way to my inner teen and it lets me kind of relive and contextualize things. It makes me feel warm and fuzzy. This show, this show just made me feel old. I could not yeah. connect to the youthful storylines. Those were just some celery-ass boys. Like, I... I didn't care about any of the boys except for um, Daddy. You know that. <laughs> um, sorry, Daddy. Um, Cleveland. Sorry. <laughs> oh. <laughs> the other, you know, randomly by man. Like all I cared about was the moms. All I wanted was for this entire TV show to be about. The the sexual tension between these best friends who have been who have loved each other for decades, and also uh, the the just the hot little writer man who I kept trying to dislike and uh, could not because he was bisexual, obviously. Um, but yeah, it was just like okay, okay. I will give you that Conrad kind of looks like Jonathan Reese Myers, which is a nice 2009 nod, nod. But I had a crush on Jonathan Reese Myers when, in 2009, when I was 18. Um, and now, I don't like that. I don't like tortured boy being fuck boy. And, like, I feel like they tried to get there by being like, you're being a fuck boy. She's being a fuck girl. Oh, the, but then it ends with, like, you two deserve each other. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I could not like Belly because all she was doing was just using people as, like, CPUs in her life. And, like, this is called The Summer I Turned Pretty. Problematic <laughs> off the top. <laughs> like, I am predisposed to dislike this. Same. Also, with it being in 2009, with her nickname being Belly, and with the book having references to her being a chubby kid, that's another strike. It feels very much like a, I grew out of my baby fat and now all the boys want me. Ugh, yeah. It's a pick me girl. It's just like, it's so much a like, pick me manic pixie dream girl. Like, you have no idea the effect you have on people, Belly. That could be from fucking Twilight. Sorry, I'm just like saying all my points at the same time here. I just no, have, I have okay. a lot of feelings. I I appreciate your feelings, and I'm leaving space for them because <laughs> I I also echo a lot of them. So don't you worry. I have your back. I also agree with you. It, it, the premise of the show <laughs> and book, which is that one day every um, femme presenting human has this glow up, right, and emerge from this bespectacle chrysalid, I guess, <laughs> and, like, just literally removes the glasses and is magically thin and hot and super athletic and whatever. Like, I just that as the base, like, that is the entire freaking story. Yeah. It's like, you, we saw you as a little sister, but now you've got tits, so I, I guess we want to fuck you, and everyone is into you, and yeah. woo, um, let's all fight each other, because we want this, like, ordinary AF, yeah, 15-year-old piece of ass, and um, I was not here for it. I was not. And like you, and then, and then she's just always being told like, you are spectacular. Yeah. 
You are an amazing, beautiful young woman. And it's just like, okay, but also she's treating everybody like garbage around her. And like, let's not forget that in the show, not in the book, but in the show, the first time Conrad sees her, he negs her. The first thing he does is, I liked you better with glasses. Which, again, is so, like, to me, that is so 2009. Like, the, 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 like, oh, I glowed up. Oh, you were prettier without the glow up. Like, that's, like, fucking Mia Thermopolis Princess Diaries level shit. And they made this show in 2022. So I'm kind of like, what did you update here? Apart they from adding a debutante yeah. ball. Oh. And and at least one man I could find um, carnally pleasing. <laughs> I I agree with you. Um, so they kept it fresh by integrating a bunch of toxic masculinity, um, <laughs> and uh, adding like a little side of queer boy on it. Um, and it's really kind of an issue. I understand that this is still an issue today, and that there are a lot of problems uh with our young guys um who you know uh seem to believe that all kinds of erroneous things let's just put it that way um but they did integrate a bit of that into the story but it's such a departure like just from like where I guess I saw Jenny Han as a writer, like, and the mm-hmm. fact that she's an executive producer on the show and uh, uh, part of the writing team and all that, like, it's a huge, it's a huge point. And it, it left me um, slightly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It it really did. Um, the, the negging, the, the, the glorification of being tortured, yes. like of, of a tortured soul, like this constant, um, and this is an issue I had in the book as well, I won't lie. Um, but this, like, he's so broken. I'm going to fix him. That's so sexy. It's like, it's very Edward Cullen and Bella. And don't yes. get me wrong, I still love them. But, but this was done in do a that. way. Exactly. And this was done in a way where there was no, there was little to no fantasy, yeah. right? Like yeah. we're trying to, like the, the, the story really is trying to convey like, this is an ordinary situation that would be the same for anyone. And um, I, I, I didn't like it. No. I really did not. Um, but I did like the moms. Yeah. Um, that was truly the redemptive side of this show mm-hmm. um so Susanna uh, is played by Rachel Blanchard which is really fun because uh, I remember watching Rachel Blanchard in her first roles at, uh on Clueless uh probably in 1999 <laughs> that's who she is okay yep and then uh like my truly favorite character of the tv show um is laurel uh yes. belly's mom played by jackie chung who is a stone fox oh my god the red dress oh <gasps> i died i fell over on the floor and i died and i want to say i am so pissed that in this show that prevented us 
the the most lackluster uh, attempt at sexual tension for the main characters that I have really ever seen. I mean, there was more tension, sexual tension between um, uh, uh, Belly and her best friend Taylor in the opening five minutes of the show than there was between Belly and any of the three guys she strung along during the course of this seven episode show. Um, but in a show that gave me so little, so little, the one couple I care about with the hottest woman on set and possibly on earth. I don't know. She's beautiful. She's up there. The sex scene she gets is the shortest and most awkward 30 seconds of car humping you can possibly imagine. Yes. And I was yes. pissed. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I was so excited for this character to get her yayas out, but also <laughs> I was really disappointed that I didn't get more out of it. Like, objectively, she is the, like, she is very beautiful, but she's also a really strong character. Yeah. And this actress is, like, she good. Yeah, like, yeah. She's I want to see her in a bunch of stuff. That was um, all I wanted from this show was just Laurel. I just wanted more Laurel, which is maybe yeah. because I'm old, but like I haven't had that experience with other YA miniseries like that. But she was truly our romantic protagonist in yes, this story. Absolutely. Freshly divorced, like struggling with the fact that her spouse is well, her ex-spouse is dating, like, basically a young person uh, who's a big fan of hers, which is <sighs> uncomfortable. Uh, and, like, she gives, a, like, she gives a seriously good performance. Yeah. And the fact that, like, the only person, like, truly only the adults can support that in the show yeah um Rachel Blanchard does pretty good uh the person who plays Cleveland is definitely up there uh the dads were interesting although yeah. I kind of wanted to kick them both in the teeth yeah and um I'm, I'm becoming very violent I think I'm sorry uh, uh you is, know what this, sometimes Amazon Prime shows can just do that to a person thank you <laughs> I accept um yeah so she's like she also gave good comedy Yes. Right? I thought that, like, Jackie Chung had some of the best comedic bits in this story. She also had some really good emotional moments. Mm -hmm. Like, I could, like, last episode, I definitely had a crying moment because mm -hmm. of her, her tenderness and her, her, her just loveliness. Um, so I'm just going to say that um, she is the silver lining of yes. this TV show. Somebody give this woman her own show. I want to watch yeah. her solve crime. Yes. Yeah. I want to yes. I want to see and her, flirt. I want to see her as a like like sexy crime solving um protagonist. Uh yep. a la, like if Lucy Liu in elementary had a sex life or like like somewhere between that and Miss Fisher's murder mysteries, that's what I want to see her in. Um, yeah, I'm into that. I'm totally into that. Yeah. It makes Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to do a little Amazon dig here. Netflix did to all the boys I've loved before. <laughs> In my opinion, Jenny Han's best work. And Netflix made a killing, right? That was a sensation. And there's just something about Amazon Prime picking up the Jenny Han trilogy that's left 
and turning it into a miniseries and just commodifying the shit out of it that feels so very Amazon Prime. Yeah. Like, there's no debate here on which is producing the better original content. Yeah. And this is a pattern with Amazon Prime. Like, so much so that my partner was like, oh, isn't that Netflix? Isn't that, like, the same person? Isn't that more of the, like, to all the boys I've loved before? And I was like, no. It's different. And it's bad. Yeah, (laughs) it definitely feels like the Zellers version. Like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um zellers for for those of you who are not canadian is one of those like uh like cheaper than walmart kind of chain stores i was gonna say it's like sears but then i realized no, it's not americans don't- <laughs> i was gonna say giant tiger but the americans don't have any reference for that either we've talked mostly about the show that is mainly because i have very little to say about yes. the book it is a perfectly adequate 2009 summer romance little 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 weird because like brothers i don't know but a little problematic at times yeah there is i mean there's definitely some incestuous stuff um (laughs) that makes me like uh, it makes it made me a little uncomfortable but it's okay and then there's one moment in the book in particular that i would like to um just highlight um yes. or should i say low light um, rather rather dated <laughs> reference i think that you are about to yes. highlight here low light here <laughs> so belly at some point is speaking with i think with Kem cameron yes and uh Kem cameron is like a third guy that she's stringing along that she really has no interest in she's just like oh he's around i'll go on dates with him and make him feel special but i don't really like him um there's this point where he asks if he can kiss her and i think that that was really sweet i i am a big fan of applied consent and Belly's response is actually to tell him that like real guys don't ask and like just kiss me don't ask me because you make it weird by asking me and that pissed me off Mm -hmm. and i was like i don't like one not okay two you've got like a super like a very intense background of like family and siblings and like weird non-siblings who seem to have this like very clear notion about like just the way things are and and belly's a very protected character by her entire chosen family and all of that and and there's there's a lot of references to like you know drinking being like having like kind of a harm reduction parental approach to drinking and things and then all of a sudden this character is just like no no consent sucks just like assault my mouth and i and it truly got under my skin um and i really needed the world to know yeah that i got upset yeah i had the same moment of just like Ugh. and also just like wow that's really the year i went to high school and cam cameron as a character made me so sad because he was the only one 
He was the only one who seemed to have a genuine interest yeah. in Belly. I don't know if he'll return later in the trilogy or something, but he's like, he remembers her from seventh grade. He goes up, he talks to her. He like arranges cute dates. He's like really pursuing her. And she just strings him along until he's like, hey, you're actually interested in somebody else. And that like pissed me off so much because of the message it sends more than anything else. And I want to talk briefly about the the Twilight <laughs> comparisons mm. here. Because like... Tread carefully, my heart. No, I also love Twilight. And Twilight is, Twilight is having a moment. And I think that's why these references stayed in the show. Because I really do think they were deliberately doing Twilight twilight throwbacks but this idea that it is better to hold out for someone you've had a crush on forever than to give a chance to somebody who's fun and interesting and like has his shit together and like knows his boundaries because that's not romantic enough is like it's so fucked in the show, they kind of walked, they kind of approached this a few times, but did not actually commit. Um, so, like, there's a point at which uh, um, Daddy Cleveland says to Conrad, like, I've gone to a lot of therapy, and what I know for sure is that um, you cannot be good for somebody until you're good for yourself, which is, like, so important. And then, like... Basically, Conrad takes a week to, like, smile a little bit. And then we're supposed to believe that he's 100% all set. There's also the fact that these boys are dealing with something just monumentally upsetting in the fact that their mother is dying of cancer. And this show is about Belly's feelings, which is very 15-year-old. <laughs> but, like, ah! That's so <laughs> true. Um... But then when they get... So, okay, the pacing in this show is all over the fucking place. It's seven episodes long, and it feels like it is 20. It, like, by the end of the show, I kind of forgot that Cam had existed. It's really bloated. Like you said, like, this should be a movie. Um, This oh, should yeah. be a 90-minute movie. Max. <laughs> by the time they actually kick off the, the, the love triangle between the brothers. <laughs> um, yeah. Which happens in like the last three episodes, like exclusively, like up until then, it's really all in Belly's head. And then suddenly both of them are like a wooga heart eyes, tongues out, <laughs> literally physically fighting over this like extremely normal 15-year-old who has no personality apart from suddenly being cute. But, like, we've got the older brooding one, right, who has a deep secret. And then we've got the, like, <laughs> cheerful canine one, right? He's a golden retriever who's bouncing around and just wants to take care of her belly. And, like, there is, like, the, the point that I just kind of lost it is the point at which Conrad just like, like Belly tells him that she's into him and he's just like, oh, Belly, of course I think about you, but I just can't be with you. And she's, you know, all upset and, and, and he's like, oh, 
you have no idea the effect you have on people belly which i swear to god is a line that is in the twilight movies but with bella like i swear to god that happens Mm -hmm. and it's like misty on the beach and we have this love triangle between the like bouncy nice guy who's actually like at all kind to this girl and seems to actually care about her at all and the broody guy who disappears all the time like is completely unpredictable is completely unreliable but somehow they have this connection because she had a crush on him when she was 10 i swear to god if i was with the guy who I had a crush on, who was my friend's older brother from, like, when I was 10 until I was 18. Um, I would be, like, a pastor's wife in Kansas right now. Uh, oh. Yeah, no, <laughs> legit. Truly. That, that's that's what happened with him. It just, it was upsetting. And yeah. it felt very, very, very twilight of it to be, like no you have this magical connection with this guy because when he looks at you he looks constipated and that's how you know it's true love but they even went down to it to the makeup aspect of it uh let's uh, shout out to the very intense blue filter um, <laughs> <laughs> that they used in the show um the the guy who plays uh conrad actually looks like a feminized Robert Pattinson. Um, I think he would make a great lesbian. Wait, who does? Um, and then at the Conrad. You think so? I could only. I do. See, oh, I could only see um, Jonathan Rhys Meyers with him. Uh, yes, no. To me, he he can. Um, the squareness of the jaw and the fact that he has like a '90s haircut, like yeah, a, he, like almost like a '90s. I like haircut. that haircut, though. I will defend that haircut. I, I think I, it's a sexy. Listen. Haircut. I was 10 in 1994. <laughs> I That haircut does yeah. things to certain parts of my body. I can't help it. Um, but then the character that plays Jeremiah, as you were saying, dog-like, very Jacob-like. They even make him tan like Jacob. He's um, too tan for a and white Taylor like, I know he's a lifeguard, but like... He's a little too tan for a white boy who has no... I think he's Italian... Truly. Yeah, like like he like like my be. daughter tans like that, but she's got like Armenian. Like he's got to be because that's not. Also, like yeah, oh, yeah, and the the light eyes with the dark, yeah, uh, the dark lashes. This yeah, is very Mediterranean. Like he's good got for a different him, daddy, probably. But also, like yeah, yeah um, that's also one. like I just have to shout out his nipples. Uh, should be credited <laughs> with a supporting role. Um, because they are always out every chance they get. He's shirtless like a werewolf in Twilight. <laughs> and if he's not shirtless, it's a mesh tank top. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I so, think yeah. that Sorry. what we're saying Excuse is me. that... No, 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 no. I love it. It's it's really, truly that some poor decision-making happened during pre-production on the show. Um, and... I, even though she was an executive producer, I believe that Jenny Han deserves better. Yes. Um, I, I, I also like, believe that she is capable of better. There's a um, reason Netflix passed on this book, right? There's a reason this deal didn't go to Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. And that's pretty much that for me. Because otherwise, I'm just going to go into more tidbits about the show about what annoyed me. And yeah. really... Uh, it's so minute at this point like 
I feel like you all may want to hate watch it. You might enjoy you might enjoy hate watching it, and please tag us in your Twitter uh, watch alongs if you do. The oh, the yes. final thing. Oh my god! Now I'm having so much trouble. So like, okay, okay. Two final things. Firstly, the queer baiting. Taylor and Belly have more chemistry than anybody else except possibly Stephen and Jeremiah, who I was rooting to get together (laughs) for the entire show because Stephen and Jeremiah have more chemistry than anybody else on the damn show. Um, And I was that would have been a great kiss that I would have wanted on the show. I was just waiting for Stephen's gay awakening that never came. The final thing that I just. I just need to say, and I'm giggling right now because I'm scrolling back through our texts while watching this, <laughs> is that when uh, Belly is uh, ineffectively telling Conrad to fuck off in a move that lasts, I think, exactly one episode, um, he, t- he sends her a you up text at 12.30 p.m. And she storms out to the pier, meets him, and says, stop texting me. It's triggering. (laughs) It truly is upsetting. (laughs) Uh, That you up text really pissed me off as well. I feel Um, like they made an AI watch TikTok and read the book. And that's how they got this script. A little bit. I mean, also the fact that they integrated a cotillion into the TV show. I mean, it might be in one of the later books, but truly, um, I I think like growing up in the like being a teen in the late nineties and being able to like watch all the Dawson's Creeks and One Tree Hills and shows about overly verbal teenagers, yeah. um, it was upsetting. <laughs> <laughs> it was really upsetting to see that you up. Um, and I think that, uh, oh, my God, I just lost my train of thought. Random, I random, random debutante balls is where what we're oh, talking yes, about. Yes, Which I feel yes. like they try Sorry. to justify by having Su- Beck say, like, I just want to see our girl in a white dress, which is like, eh. Because her only value is as a wife. Um, but, like, truly having a cotillion um there's always a problem at the cotillion someone is always like gonna faint gonna get in a fight like truly i am done with seeing cotillion on television no one does this or if they do it is about 0.3 percent of utes um I get that it's a fantasy land so that like teenagers can i guess preview what it's like to get married but <laughs> And they keep talking about how, like, uh, during the, the, the like, how they fundraise and they're, like, active socially and they let a lesbian at the cotillion it's with her charity. girlfriend in a tuxedo. <laughs> yeah, I just, um, I am done with that trope. And at this point, like, if I see it, I'm turning it off. Because it's just, like, you know someone's going to say the line. But what will happen at the cotillion? What about my cotillion date? Oh no, the cotillion. It is infantilizing and insulting. And I need people who make movies and TV shows to hear my cry. Stop putting in cotillions. I mean, and it's so random that I'm almost, 
it's so random that I'm honestly wondering if they just like got sponsored by debutantes of America or something because like it feels exactly like it's like propaganda for debutante balls as like like so many plot points in this movie are just like oh yeah uh tinder paid for that oh yeah uh our time paid for that oh yeah uh i just had a uh, thought lucky charms paid for that yeah yes they're a big uh sponsor of this show um i have a feeling that this might come from an attempt to um please folks um on the political spectrum mm. um and I don't like it. No. Uh, I, I just don't like it. Don't. Nope. Nope. I don't like it. It's pandering. Um, yes. And it really, like, it kind of just fell into my lap right now as we were talking about it. And I'm upset about it. And yeah. And now I might not want to watch a season two or read the next two books in the series. I mean, another thing that I said in my notes is this show keeps calling me a stupid bitch and not in a fun way. (laughs) So, I mean, yes, we could keep going. I could keep trashing things about this show very, very easily. Um, I could talk about... That's all we're saying. (laughs) um, um, My my very last point, because this was in my notes and I didn't say it and I have to say it, is that there is a point at which um, Laurel is... uh, uh, looking at the prospect of having sex beyond hurried car sex for the first time and she's going he hasn't even seen me naked I've had kids I chafe and that line spoke to me I liked that line (laughs) and I think now listen I'm just gonna put it out there if you got recommendations for romance novels that have more of the like I've had kids I I chafe energy please send them my way because I think what this show (laughs) taught me is that I need more divorced women dating for the first time or men or whatever I just like I need I need some age appropriate romance to read as well (laughs) yes Yes, I, I I fully agree with you on that. Um, perhaps a little adult fiction content might. <laughs> Maybe I just need a soup soul of like. Yep. <laughs> sex scenes I can relate to without feeling weird about it. Yes. My goodness. All right, folks. Well, with that, uh, resound- we're doing it. <laughs> that that was it. That's that's it. That's all, folks. Thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at yapodcast, yeah and individually, I'm at teferbear, and Caddy is at Caddy underscore D. If uh, you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shoutouts, guest appearances, and more. Head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Reshi, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Ten Hope, Chantal Thomas, Erica Stutchbury, Megan Jane, Maddie Dever, and Ebony Cameron. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at TeePublic. Our merch situation may be changing with the uh, network shift, um, so just keep an eye on that. We'll keep you uh, up to date. 
You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend, perhaps someone who has read a disappointing book, (laughs) or someone who has weird feelings about the year 2009. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. Uh, Great Bear, brothers who I think I had crushes on each of in 2009, actually, speaking of it. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcam.com. I'll tell you all about it, Caddy. <laughs> this episode was produced by Tefra Jemian, that's you, and edited by Tom Zalatni. Hi, Tom, as part of the podcast. As part of the podcavern. <laughs> this episode was produced by Tefra Jemian and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of Podcavern. You can find out about all the great shows in the podcavern at podcavern.com. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.